So um, the Last Supper is happening, and Jesus has got his disciples gathering around him. And in that time, he, he does a couple of things. He, he gives them his final instructions, and then he predicts his betrayal, which to that group of, small group of people shocked them all except for one. And, um, and then he tells all of them to remember him. And here's an, an excerpt out of Matthew 26. Now as they were eating, he said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. That's the famous moment of, uh, the, the, of the famous painting, The Last Supper. It's that moment when he has said, one of you will betray me. And you, see the, you can see the drama in the famous painting. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. And each of them, how many of them? Each of them began to say to him, Lord, is it I? Every one of those disciples, it says, every one of them was beginning to question, would they be the one to fail the king? I think every one of them knew that down inside of us, there's a capacity. There's just as a capacity. And, um, and so, so, okay, so the evening goes on, and this is after the meal, and he's on the pathway to Gethsemane, and um, he tells them that that night that every one of them is going to fall away from him. He says, now, all of you are going to fail me. Of course, good old Peter. He says, uh-uh, the rest of these guys might, but not me, Lord. <laughs> I got my act together. I would never fail you. And Jesus, Jesus says, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, the story, but he says, yeah, you will. And just so that you'll know that I'm telling you the truth, before you hear the cock crow, before the rooster goes, it'll be three times, not just once that you that you betray me, that you uh, deny me. So later that night, as the disciples are just resting, and Jesus is still praying, and, and Judas Iscariot leads in a group of a detachment of soldiers and, and officials that were from the high priests. And they were carrying clubs and swords. And um, they come in, and it's quite a commotion, and they arrest Jesus. At that moment, the disciples scatter. They all run away. Later that night at the high priest's palace, he's arrested, and they've taken him now to, to before the Sanhedrin, which in our context would be like the Supreme Court. The rulers of the, of the Jewish uh, culture there, and Jesus is beaten. Before he goes in to, to see them, to be examined by them, he's beaten by the Jewish guards. Like somehow they've got to soften him up and prepare him or something. I don't know why, but it was brutal, and they beat him. And they, and they take him inside, and the, the court examines him. And during the time that the court is questioning him, one of the officials comes up and hits him in the face. And the court does their questioning, and they make their determination, and they come to a decision. You're guilty. You deserve death. And then the members of the court, the members of the court spit on him, and hit him, the word says, with their fists. They didn't slap him. They used the best point of impact that they could to cause pain. Meanwhile, in the courtyard outside the trial, Peter has followed, and there's a group of people out there, and one more time he's asked, weren't you one of his disciples? And he says, no, I didn't know that. I didn't know him. And at that moment, he hears the rooster crow, and he was reminded that Jesus said, you know, you're going you're gonna, to you're, you're gonna give up on me too. You know, when Jesus said that to him, he was full of love. He didn't say, you're now my enemy. 
He just said, this is, this is true about you, Peter. I love you anyway. I love that. And um, he remembers what Jesus had said to him there. He gets moved then after the Sanhedrin has said, you know, you're guilty, and they move him to the governor's palace, Pontius Pilate. And Pontius Pilate talks to him and concludes, hey, this man is innocent. He decides he's innocent. Meanwhile, the crowd outside, dominated by religious leaders who wanted him killed, they're clamoring for him, they're screaming, and so he thinks, well, I'd like to let him go, so I'll come up with a way. And he offers the crowd the choice between releasing a guy named Barabbas, who is a known criminal, a murderer, or giving Jesus freedom. The crowd's yelling, give us Barabbas, free the criminal. You know, it's not in the scripture, but I can imagine, I don't know if Jesus was within eyesight of Barabbas at that moment, but my heart believes, because of the character of Jesus, that if they were standing there together and Pilate was saying, you can have this guy free, Barabbas, you can have this guy free, Jesus, who do you want? They're both realizing one of them's going to die and the other's going to walk free. I can just picture this. Jesus saying, hey, Barabbas, I got this. I will give up my life for you. A picture of Jesus' choice to give up his life for everybody, murderers included. Amazing, amazing heart and amazing love. In response to the crowd, Pontius sends him out. Can't compete with a train horn. (laughs) Wahoo! I always want to bring one of those things, okay? So in response to the crowd, he, he sends Jesus out to be crucified. At the same time that that's going on, Judas, the betrayer, has just become full of remorse. And he tries to go back to the priests and give back the blood money, to give back the payoff for betraying Jesus, for having led them to where they could find him and arrest him. And the priests refuse him. They turn their backs on him. The religious leaders turn their backs on him. Jesus didn't. The religious leaders turn their backs on him. And, and they said, hey, it's your problem. He throws the money into the temple court, runs out, and hangs himself. And then on a, on a hill outside of Jerusalem called Golgotha, later in the morning and in the afternoon, Jesus is crucified, and that afternoon, he freely gives up his life, saying things to God along the way like, Lord, forgive them. Just, they don't understand. Forgive these people. And... God's perfect lamb, the perfect lamb of God, pays a terrible price to purchase eternal life for me and for you, for every one of us. It's so simple. I, I, I think about this whole story, and you knew the story before you got here, most likely. I think you probably knew this, and you know how it comes out, that he steps out of the grave under his own power, But I look at this moment and I think of the wonderful and terrible decision that was being made there. The terrible price. There's no way to calculate the love. It just can't be calculated. It's so much. Tonight, during um, our service time together, we're going to give you the opportunity to make two choices. Two choices. And um, 
what's going to happen in just the next moment or two after I pray is we're going to worship. And, and, um, <clears throat> and that worship's going to go on for a little while. It's, it's not, uh, we, have, we have plans for it, but it's, it's an extended lengthy period of time of worship. And our point here isn't to make you stand up and do a calisthenic for 30 minutes and get completely tired feet by the end of that. That's not what the point is at all. In fact, we're not asking that you do that. But during that time of worship, we're going to give you the opportunity to make two choices. Choice number one will be to worship. Choose it or don't choose it. If you worship, it will be because you've chosen it for whatever reasons, and that's healthy. The second choice we're going to give you is to receive communion. By the way, communion won't save you. Communion doesn't do anything to make God love you more. And if you decide not to go out of your seat and receive communion, he's not going to love you less or be mad at you. Okay? Communion is about a choice that we make. In obedience, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. But it's also a declaration, not so much to anybody else, but to your own spirit. I absolutely receive the gift of salvation that's been given to me. And I acknowledge the terrible price that was paid. That's what's going on with communion. It's way over summarized. Um, so but for the next 20 minutes or so, while we worship, give or take, um, communion is going to be when you, when you decide. And what we've done, and uh, I'll explain this to you, is that um, there are two tables in the back, and there are communion elements there. There is the cup and the cracker. And we're going to encourage you, when you choose to, if you want to, any time during that ter- time of worship, Go back to one or the other. They're both the same. And all you need to do is take the elements. Don't stay at the table and do it, please. Step aside somewhere so that the people can get, get, in, get in there. And just thank the Lord. Be thankful for his broken body and his shed blood. And then receive, say a short prayer. Thank you, Lord. That's it. That's all you have to do. You can make the prayer whatever you want. But I would suggest you say, Lord, thank you. I'm just grateful for what you did for me. Thank you for your broken body, cracker. Thank you, Lord, for your shed blood. Thank you for salvation. Lord, it bless you. And then return to your seat and worship if you choose to. Right? Okay? The point here is to give you the opportunity. And, you know, that night or that, that afternoon around the cross, there was no church service. It was a choice of, of, of worship. And so um, also some of you, maybe you've never done communion before. And I want you to know um, at home, I want you to know the Lord never intended for communion to be only a ceremony in a church service. It's good that it is that, and that's why we do it regularly. But you know, you can do this anytime you want. At home. You can just decide at any time, you know what, I think it's time for me to have some communion moments with the Lord. I just need a sense of of relationship. I need a sense of, I I just need to do this. And when that happens, do it. And I encourage you parents to occasionally receive communion with your children. Do it at home. Teach them the meaning of, of what it is. You're fully capable. You're fully qualified to do that. Here's the scriptures that we go to for communion. Luke 22, 14 to 20. When the hour had come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. Then he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. It's not because he was hungry, but because it was symbolic of a wonderful decision that he had made. Verse 16, for I said to you, I will no longer eat of it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. 17, then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. 19, and he took the bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup 
is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. So you're going to find back at the table a little half sheet of paper, and it's got the relevant scriptures. We have a picture of that, I think. Um, and it looks just like that. Take it. Take one. And, um, and when you're ready, you can just get your communion elements and that, and that'll help you. And those are the two scriptures to help you understand the difference between the bread and, and the cup. And if you're uncomfortable doing this on your own, there will be a pastor nearby at both tables. And if you want someone to pray with you, serve you communion, if that's your preference, we're absolutely happy to do that. We're happy to do that, and we're glad that you'll want to receive communion. If you're in the middle of a row, the people around you will gladly let you out. They'll understand. So I want to pray, and then I want to worship. Would you stand to your feet? And uh, I want to invite the king to join us here. Lord, I'm so grateful. We are so grateful, Lord, for your loving heart. In the next few moments, Lord, we will worship you because you deserve our adoration. You deserve our praise. And Lord, we are grateful for the price that you paid. So as we receive communion, Lord, tonight, I just ask for an invasion of the miraculous. There are people here tonight that came because they knew it was Good Friday and they wanted to, something needed to happen in their souls, so they're here. There are others. I don't know why people came tonight, Lord, but you do. I ask God for you to heal the brokenhearted. I ask you to heal the sick. I ask you to encourage the discouraged. I ask you to be God who provides. Lord, be your miraculous self, Lord, among us, we pray. In Jesus' name, 